Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, waiting for another Let's Ride podcast. That's right, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here as a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast platform. And we have a lot to talk about. It is a regular Friday. We have Blue Check back coming up in the second half. We've got our NFL game picks. We've got everything for you right here in this one spot. But I can't say that my podcast is the entire platform because it isn't. And you should check out a lot of different shows. For instance, make sure you check out Dave Schofield's Stat Key from Thursday. It was a great show. Definitely give it a listen. Live Mike every Tuesday with Michael Beck, our deputy editor. He had a good show this week about the identity of the offense and the defense. I highly recommend all of our noon shows, The War Room with Maddie Peverell, Jeffrey Benedict's The Cutting Room Floor. Uh, you have The Fantasy Football Fix with Jeremy Betts, What Yin's Talking Bad with Kyle and Greg. It's just great. And then all of our PM shows, like The Steelers Preview, which is every Thursday night, which is myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. Make sure you check them all out. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers, or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. And on top of that, just a reminder for anyone that doesn't know, this is a part of, these podcasts are a part of, our platform is a part of, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. So make sure you check out that website. I write a ton of articles. Dave writes a ton of articles. Michael, Jeffrey, Brian, we're all writers. Tony, Defio, Shannon White, we're all writers. So make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, we have a lot to get through today. All right, enough enough lollygagging around. You know, you're a bunch of lollygaggers out there, myself included. And on this Friday, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. we got some random thoughts. I'm going to give you the reasons why or what to do for the Steelers to win what they need to do for them to beat the Tennessee Titans this Sunday at Heinz Field in Week 15. It's a 1 o'clock kick. And then we're going to go into the second segment with Michael Beck and all that good stuff. So let's start with these random thoughts. If you don't know, this is what I do every Friday now. Think about stuff that just randomly comes to my head. You know, I mean, I'm, I might be driving to work. I might be cutting the grass back when I had to do that. And it's December. I don't have to do that for a couple more months. But still, something will hit me. And I'll be like, ah, I should bring this up. And so I kind of compile these throughout the week. And then I deliver five random thoughts. So here we go. Let's get things started right off the bat. You know, I feel like as, a, as fans... And really, I guess this is kind of the the media and our culture in a nutshell. And that is that we are quick to criticize. We are very quick to throw criticism at people. But are we quick to praise as well? And that's a rhetorical question. Only you can answer that. And this is really isn't just about football. This is, this is also in life. If you find someone, whether it's a child, whether it's a relative, whether it's a coworker, doesn't matter, a friend... You might be really quick to pull the trigger on criticism, but are you really quick to pull the trigger on praise? And I think about someone like Devin Bush. Okay, Devin Bush has been ripped to shreds since this offseason. Let's not forget the Twitter tirades. I wouldn't even call it a tirade. His Twitter rants that had everyone up in arms this offseason. Everyone. I mean, he had Cam Hayward. They were asking Cam about it. They were asking everyone about it. I mean, they even asked Zach Banner about it, I think. But still, everyone was up in arms about these the, the Twitter stuff. And then he gets on the field, and you can definitely tell that he's not the same player. 
I'm not saying that he's never going to be the same player, but he's not the same player. I was really proud of Jeffrey Benedict, not that he cares about me being proud of him, but he wrote a really good film room that ran on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on Thursday, and it was all about how Devin Bush is showing improvement, and he gives you visual evidence of that improvement in the article. Go check it out, and if you can't find it, scroll down on the page. You'll see a, a tab that says Steelers Film Room. Click on that. It'll be in that tab, guaranteed. So I I was so happy that he wrote that article because we are so quick to say Devin Bush stinks. Devin Bush is a bust. What a horrible decision to move up 10 spots with Denver in 2019 to take him, blah, blah, blah. We're so quick to do that. And I'm not going to say that you, if you said that, were wrong in your criticism. What I'm saying is that are you also big enough to admit that maybe he is getting some of his swagger back getting some of his skill back, getting some of his confidence and trust in his knee back. That takes time, and if it's happening now, it's better than never. And so that's something to think about in terms of your view of the team and of certain players. I also think about Chase Claypool. This guy's been drugged through the mud multiple times, and again, not saying he doesn't deserve it. He did. He does. Mean Joe Green is out there. We're going to talk about him in a second, talking about Chase Claypool. But Chase Claypool now... We're so quick to criticize. Are we going to be quick to praise as well? So let's say he changes the things. Let's say Chase Claypool turns into a, hey, catch the ball, hand the ball to the receiver, head back to the huddle. Are fans going to be as quick to say, man, it is great to see Chase Claypool learn his lesson. It's great to see Claypool. He's going out there. He's playing well, dominating, and he just doesn't have all that extra stuff. Are we going to do that? Probably not. Unfortunately, probably not. But think about that the next time you're ready to rip into a player. Are you as quick to give praise as you are to criticize? Next, let's go. Let's talk more about this Claypool fiasco. The one thing about the Claypool fiasco that really bothered me had nothing to do with Chase Claypool at all. Kind of did in a way. But I felt like the Claypool fiasco covered up bigger storylines from that week 14 Thursday night football loss. Chase Claypool himself covered off a tremendous game. He had a great game. I would say it was possibly one of his better games as a pro, except the fact that he had these boneheaded, back-breaking plays, whether it's the personal foul, the whiff block, the pointing for the first down, whatever you want to call it. It all put a cloud over top of what was a really great on-field performance from Chase Claypool. But it also masked the fact that the run defense gave up over 200 yards. Now, people are talking about that, but it's not getting the attention it would have if Claypool wouldn't have done what he did when he did it at the end of the game. Also, the pass protection was just awful. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was sacked five times, and it wasn't just like, oh, man, someone just, Ben kind of got tripped up and someone helped him to the ground. No, he was getting teed off on, and he got hit a lot. And so that's another part of this whole fiasco that the Steelers and that game that is kind of being overlooked. So the Claypool fiasco covered up some bigger issues that I'm not upset that they're not being talked about, but in a way I'm, I'm upset because the fans will pair it with a hear. And all they're hearing right now is Claypool, Claypool, Claypool. And so what are they parroting? Claypool, 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 instead of, man, this D, this team has issues outside of just that wide receiver from Notre Dame. Okay, let's go to the next random thought. I've been trying to make sense of former player criticism. Whether you're talking about Rocky Blyer, Ryan Clark, you're talking about now Mean Joe Green is coming out, and he was on a CBS radio, CBS Sports Radio, I believe, 
He had some pretty damning statements about the state of the Steelers, and he said it was one of the saddest days since he retired watching the team in the first half. He talked about Claypool, thought he was smarter than that, went to Notre Dame. I'm just trying to make sense of all of it. You know, it's easy to sit here and, and criticize and do all those things, but I'm just trying to make sense of all of it. I think I've come to a conclusion. You know, this is akin to if you played football in your high school. You're you're go you're going back to your alma mater for maybe a homecoming game. And maybe there was a standard of play, a standard of excellence that you had when you played there. And when you go back, you're like, what what is this? What am I seeing? This isn't what I was a part of back in the day. What the heck's going on? They need to do something. Like, do something. I, I feel like there, they, the former players, are almost becoming almost like fans. I hate to say that because they're so much more. I mean, I would never consider Mean Joe Green to just be a fan. He's an NFL legend. But in other words, I feel like they have they are experiencing some of the helpless feeling that fans feel every single week. And that helpless feeling of you're watching your favorite team that you love and you're watching them squander away opportunities, you're watching them turn the ball over, you're watching them just sometimes just lackadaisically going through the motions. And you find yourself sitting there feeling like you want to pull your hair out. If I had hair on my head, I would. And you're saying, just do something. Gosh, just it makes you want to just make balls, ball your fists, and just, gosh, darn it, you want to punch a hole in the wall. I kind of feel like that's what they, that's the way they are acting. And it's not, hey, we get it. Fans get it. Trust me, we all get it. But at the same time, they just have the status of being a former Steeler. You know, Ryan Clark is a Super Bowl champion. Uh, mean Joe Green needs no endorsement. I mean, his number is retired. He's one of two numbers that are retired for the Steelers. Same with Rocky Blyer in terms of his personal accomplishments with the Steelers. That's the only thing I can come to the conclusion of. Is It's their way of telling the team, you got to do something. I need to do something to help them, and this is what comes to mind. It might not be the best course of action, but that's what I came up with. All right, next one. Earlier this week, this NFL released the news that the salary cap for 2022 is going to be bumped up to about 203, $203 million. And that is coming up from $183 million. Remember, it dropped down in 2021, and that, that definitely did a number on the Steelers for a lot of reasons. We've talked about that. Steelers are going to have roughly $43-ish million in cap space. It's big news. $43 million? When was the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers had that amount of money? Now, that, that's some. they have some rollover cash from this season that they're going to be able to use in next season. But ultimately, I was like, man, this is $43 million. The Steelers are going to need to make the most of that money. I think it's safe to say, you know, right now, without compensatory draft picks, I believe they only have six picks in the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. If the Steelers are close, and a lot of people think that they are close to being a championship contending team, they're going to have to hit some home runs in the draft, and they're going to have to buck some trends, and they're going to have to hit some home runs in free agency. That's something they have not done a lot of, let's be honest. We all talk about Kevin Green, James Ferrier, Ryan Clark. I could go on in terms of some of the best free agent pickups in team history. They've also had a ton of duds. I mean a ton of duds. So it's one of those situations where this news of the salary cap going up to $203 million, give or take, and 
man, is that important. It's going to be huge for the Steelers. Last a random thought here is about an article I wrote, and this is something that Dave Schofield has talked about and referenced. I have done it as well, and it is the search for the complete game, the Steelers' complete game, a game where the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense and defense at the same time are playing at a high level. Hasn't happened yet. The question now is, is a complete game even possible? I'm not so sure if it is. I really am not. Uh, it, it is a game where they are just doing everything right. I'm not sure if this team has that in them. I hope they do. I hope they surprise the heck out of me. Maybe it's this Sunday at 1 o'clock at Heinz Field. I'm not sure. But I will say this. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they desperately need one of those complete games. A game where they kind of get their mojo going. We kind of saw that midway through the year. Coming off that Green Bay loss, they started to feel a little bit better about themselves, especially on offense, the offensive line. And then it started to regress a little bit. So for me, I'm hoping that complete game comes, but I'm also not banking on it. All right, let's go to what the Steelers need to win. You Normally I go back and look at last week's game. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You know exactly what it is. You could just cross everything off as a did not do it. Horrible, bad, ugly, not talking about it. Done. Throwing it away. Moving on. Three things on offense and three things on defense is what I always do in terms of getting ready for what you, the fan, need to think about when the Steelers approach this upcoming game, which in this case would be Tennessee. Let's start on offense. We always start on offense first. Number one, protect the football. I could say it every week. I need to say it every week. Protect the football. Ben Roethlisberger threw a costly interception against Minnesota. That can't happen. Whether that was on Deontay Johnson or Ben Roethlisberger, I don't care. That just can't happen. Next, you got to do something different. I've talked about creativity. I've talked about trick plays. I've talked about a lot of different things. But my gosh, just do something different, please. Please, Steelers, just do something different. That's all I ask. Come out up-tempo. Come out using maybe a no-huddle. Come out using some formations that you haven't done before that you feel like you've had in your back pocket and you've been waiting for the, the perfect time. Do something different. Because this last key, the third key on offense, is contingent, in my opinion, of that second key of doing something different. It's get a lead early. Get a lead early. You know, you're always playing from behind. The offense is always talking about, well, you know, we're the game dictated this, that, and the other. You know you have something to say about that offense. You can go out and score some points as well. It's not like the defense gave up 20 points in one drive. No, they gave up a touchdown, then they kicked the ball back to the offense. The offense did nothing with it, and they gave it right back to the other team. So you can fault the defense, sure, I get it, but offense, you're in charge of this, some of this too. Put points on the board, get a lead early. So on offense, the three things, protect the ball, do something different, and get an early lead, something the Steelers have not done a lot of this season. Let's go to the defense. Number one is stop the run, and that includes Ryan Tannehill. You know, without Derrick Henry, the Tennessee Titans have a uh, kind of like a running back by committee uh, approach here, and they're still running the ball well. And Ryan Tannehill, everyone, he's been like this his whole career. He kind of reminds me of a player that, it's not, he's not a Justin Herbert in terms of the ability to run, but he can run. Like his legs, that's something that Cam Hayward talked about this week. Mike Tomlin talked about a lot this week. You have to account for him potentially running the ball. Stop the run. Next, you got to take it away. Akella Witherspoon had two interceptions. I don't care who's doing it. I really don't. Someone, just take the ball away. If it's Akella Witherspoon, so be it. Let's see it happen. And lastly, 
find a winning combination if it even exists. You know, Joe Hayden on Thursday, which is the only report I've seen, the latest report, he was back in practice in a limited fashion. Great news. That is phenomenal news. If he could practice and be ready to play on Sunday, maybe you have Hayden and Witherspoon, and that is your outside cornerback duo. And then all of a sudden you have Cam Sutton who can go back to his dime roll. And maybe, maybe just maybe at that point, things start to kind of click. And then that combination starts to exist. And they can lean on certain sub packages because they know they're covered in the deep half. I'm not saying that's a guarantee. I'm saying maybe it's a possibility. A lot can go wrong, but maybe on defense they just can be they're going to be able to find a combination in a lot of different ways. Think about Buddy Johnson or Robert Spillane, who's been back at practice as well after his knee injury. Maybe they can mix them in somehow, some way to find a good combination that works. That's the third. So the last thing on defense, stop the run, including Ryan Tannehill. Take it away. Okay, you got to get the get the ball away, continue to create takeaways, and then find a winning combination if it even exists. All right, so that's it for me on the first half. In the second half, I'll be back with Michael Beck. So make sure you check us out there. I'll be right back after this break. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment. It is Friday. It is blue check back time. That's right. Michael Beck joins me every Friday. What's up, Michael? How's it going? Oh, not too much, Jeff. How are you, how are you holding up? I'm holding up just fine. I want to ask you about a hockey game that you went to uh, recently. Didn't you go uh, check out the local hockey club? But I say local. I mean, the my Pittsburgh Penguins. Did you see the Canucks Penguins game? I, I was, in fact, at that game. And uh, funny enough, that w- ended up being the last game of the uh, management and coaching team for my <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. So, don't uh, worry. Appreciate you hired, it. You hired hey, Jim they, Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we won five games in a row. So. There you go. Well, good. So, you know what? Cloud nine. <laughs> Did you wear a Steelers hat or something there so you could like, I, show some respect for both? <laughs> I, I was funny. I went with my buddy who is a diehard sport. Penguins fan. I was like, this was immediately after the Bengals loss, uh, I believe, uh, heading to that game. So it was like, I don't know if I want to wear a Steelers jersey <laughs> after that loss in a public setting. So I, I repped the Canucks that game. Uh, if, if it were to be after that Ravens game, yeah, I would, def- different story. Totally would have repped them. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was a rough one for uh, for the blue and green team. But uh, hey, anytime the black and gold can win, uh, I feel a part of it, right? Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. I mean, and the moral of that story is that Michael's a Fairweather fan that will only rep the gear when they're playing well. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said it. Hey, I have, a que- I have a question for you. So the Thursday injury report came out and there were some shockers here. Uh, the, the one I want to ask you about is Joe Hayden. Now, Joe Hayden's oh, yeah. missed. I think he practiced leading up to the Bengals week 12 game was downgraded that weekend and hasn't been on the practice field since with that foot injury. Let's just say uh, for fun. I was, I normally use another saying, but I'm not going to say that on the air. Uh, let's just say for fun. <laughs> that Hayden is able to go against the Titans. What does your defensive backfield look like if Joe Hayden is healthy? That is a really good question. Uh, we already know what the safeties look like, but yeah. 
after the last two games, I feel like you probably have to give Akilah Witherspoon the start. Uh, he played great against the Ravens. He had a couple turnovers against the Vikings. I know he struggled a lot this year, but I, I, I think you got to ride the hot hand. That's kind of what the Steelers have done uh, when Hayden's been healthy. It's kind of been a rotation on the other side. I think Witherspoon deserves some snaps. Uh, Cam Sutton is probably better in the slot compared to Mollette or whoever the else they uh, want to throw in the middle of the defense there. I uh, haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of Trey Norwood in recent weeks, but uh, maybe uh, maybe Sutton bounces back to a more f- familiar spot inside and you give uh, Witherspoon the start opposite of Joe Hayden. That's what I thought. I, th- I thought the same thing. I thought if you could get another outside cornerback, I mean, think back when the defense was at its best, you had Nelson and Hayden on the outside, you had Sutton in the dime, and they still don't have that Mike Hilton in the, in the uh, nickel. But still, boy, putting Sutton back there in his versatile role where he's good in space, I still don't think he's – I'm not sold on Sutton as a starting outside cornerback. Are you? No, I don't think I am. Uh, the Steelers kind of banked on uh, getting a guy that was like 80% the talent of Steven Nelson at like 50% of the cost sort of thing. So, like, it makes sense why they didn't make that move because they did have Sutton there. But I'm not sure if he's able to run with these guys, especially with the way the Steelers play defense. If they're not getting home to the quarterback, then Sutton, uh, he, he doesn't stick on guys for two, three, four seconds uh, into a play. Like, it's hard for any corner to do that, but um, it's noticeable with him. And, and really, with, with the Steelers' kind of depth issues they have, and really kind of having three guys now in a similar spot behind Joe Hayden and Pierre Witherspoon and Sutton, yeah, like, I, I totally agree with just kind of riding with the hot hand. And then, as you mentioned, Sutton being a little more versatile, still not the best tackler, but he knows the slot position. Maybe that is what makes the Steelers uh, front better or this uh, backfield better. Okay, I agree with that. Got to talk to you about your boy, Michael, Uh, your boy, Chase Claypool. (laughs) I mean, we talked about him with his music comments. Uh, Now here we are talking about him again. I don't want to bring up the whole first down stuff. My question for you is about his response. Not, I'm not talking about at a podium. I'm not talking about verbal. I'm talking about how do you think Chase Claypool responds on the field this Sunday at Heinz Field? Does he even take anything that's been said into consideration? Because I, I got to be honest, I have my doubts. The guy has had, I think, four personal foul penalties, three, if not four, three. He's definitely has three. He's been fined on more than one occasion, and that continues to be a trend. So I'm wondering if all this noise is even going to impact him. If you you know him sort of, kind of, what what's his on-field response like this Sunday, if you had to guess? Chase is a proud person. Um, I, I do expect him to be very motivated for this game. But in the same sense, if uh, the defense get, gets into his head early, I could also see him shut off and take more stupid penalties. Like he's either going to like go off on the field and things will be going his way. But if they aren't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more of the same antics that we kind of saw uh, the last couple weeks here. Hopefully that isn't what we get, but there's a chance. I feel like that's it's going to be one of those two ends of the spectrum. I don't think there's a game in the middle in his uh, near future here. He's either going off for like 120 yards or he's getting another stupid penalty and getting benched for the rest of the game. And heck, who knows? Maybe the rest of the season just let James uh, Washington excuse me, ride things out uh, in that uh, that receiving position. And there's not much in between there, I don't think. I really don't believe there is much in between. I feel like he's like a, he's on both both ends of the spectrum. There's not much in between, but we'll see. I hope that Chase Claypool does respond in a positive way. And I hope that fans are able to recognize it. You know, if, if he makes a big catch and he doesn't get up and do a stupid 
gesture with his hands. He just hands the ball to the official and goes back to the huddle. I hope fans are smart enough to like, wow, like he clearly has learned, listened at least for a week. You know, I hope they realize that. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about Zach Banner. So Zach, yeah. what a, what a crazy season this has been for Zach Banner. He gets a contract this past off season, two year deal. Everyone's thinking this guy's going to be the right tackle. He, he gets as has a setback. He admitted that, that, that I'm not putting words into his mouth. He said it was a, a little bit of a setback and he goes on injured reserve and he finally comes back and he's deemed to be healthy and he can't crack the lineup. Now, Thursday he's missing practice. Not after he wasn't even on the injury report on Wednesday. And now he's missing practice with a knee injury. I mean, what the heck Zach Banner? Like, what are your thoughts about him as a player, his future in Pittsburgh, the contract that he signed? Like, what are your thoughts on this guy? Yeah. His career really is a tragedy. Um, from getting drafted in the third round and being cut the same camp as his draft year. That is just like an unheard of thing. Uh, he gets picked up by the Browns. He explodes over, what, 400 pounds, uh, probably closing on 500 when he was released by them. He starts getting things figured out, uh, gets more in shape, uh, starts to really figure out this football thing. Uh, he plays great as that swing tackle for the Steelers. Wildly popular. He's due, uh, uh, He wins a spot to be the starter starting right tackle last year and then he gets hurt like and it's just been like a theme with him he has he's played what like 30 snaps in 2020 and then he's just never been able to get healthy since then uh the acl of course is something like it it could be a 12-month injury like it wouldn't make it would make sense uh for him to uh to continue to kind of end up uh getting better over time but again we're well past that mark now uh the setback happened uh, he can't get on the field. It makes me wonder if, if it's another conditioning thing, why he wasn't able to supplant to core for at that right tackle spot that he already beat him out for in the past and, uh, or moving Dan Ward Jr. for that matter. So it, it's just pretty wild in general to see his career, how it's gone. It's kind of sad because the guy came out of USC with all this promise and he just never was able to make it stick with the Colts. Uh, he, he was his own worst enemy with the Browns. And now his health is failing him with the Steelers. I, I think this guy has a real chance of ending up out of the league or like on a vet minimum deal uh, at, at kind of best, I, I suppose, uh, going into this offseason. I feel like there's no way the Steelers can bring him back for that, what, five-point-something uh, price tag he's going to be worth to this team next year. It's, it's just really sad to see how this is all gone. Yeah, and um, on our Slack channel, I know that you, myself, and I think Dave Schofield were having a conversation about the salary cap. I want to bring that up next. And I think they could save almost like $2 million if they cut him I believe that was the number, unless I, 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 I think this. it's his full amount. It, it, okay. He doesn't have any guaranteed money. So I think it's well, like five go. or close to 6 million in saving. Well, that seems to be a, a no brainer. <laughs> I hate <laughs> to say that, but I mean, if you're looking at Chooks Accor for, or, or Zach Banner, the one thing that Chooks Accor for has going for him is the best ability. And that is availability. He's always available. Rarely does he ever get hurt. Now let's talk about that salary cap. I mentioned this in my first segment. You know, the NFL came out and said that next year, 2022, this, the, the, cal, the cap is going to be 203, $203 million. And so it was at 183. Uh, so it's bumping up $20 million. The Steelers, and this is according to Dave Schofield, our, stat, our salary cap guru, we'll put it that way. He said they're going to be around $43 million. Now they can create more space. For instance, Zach Banner, you cut him. There's no guarantees. $5 million. Now that 43 goes to 48. My question is a 43 number. Is that enough for you? If not, where do you think the Steelers need to get in terms of monetary uh, space to really make some splash in free agency and turn this roster around? Considering where the team is at and like how much like talented young players they have 
kind of sprinkled without throughout this lineup. I, I feel like they could totally look to what the Patriots did for a quick turnaround uh, in, in a sense, uh, having a, a kind of a run of the mill, eight and eight, 500 ish type year. It'll be close to that mark, regardless how these last four games go. But uh, if the Steelers can find ways to find more money in, in the players that, they, that have kind of struggled this year, if they're able to release guys like Banner or Schobert or restructure some of, some of these deals, like they're always able to do. Um, you absolutely got to go for it. Uh, really what it comes down to from there is uh, what they want to do at quarterback. Uh, if Ben Roethlisberger, uh, if they determine he's going to be the guy, he's probably not p- playing for less than a $20 million check uh, next year. Right. Cause like, yeah. I, I think, I think he went down like 25. So like how much less is he going to continue to take? If they, if they chase a big fish and like one of the guys that I'm not even going to mention bringing up their names, but Evan knows who they are. If they want a $40 million guy, all that money's gone. They still have the flaws. Then if they go with a rookie, they have a ton of cap space to build a good team around that rookie and then just hope that uh, you hate to throw someone in the fire, but maybe Mason Rudolph can hold the the kid's hand for a couple weeks until they're ready. Um, So right now it, it always swings so much on that quarterback position in football. If they determine they want to go the rookie route, They'll have a ton of cash to spend on the rest of the team and have a pretty darn solid lineup. So in that sense, it's exciting, and it could be a, a very non-Steelers like offseason. But uh, if they do go that uh, free agent uh, trade uh, kind of market type of route, then all of a sudden all that money gets eaten up very quick because that position is just worth so much damn money. So it, it, to me, I still think you need to create more. Forty-three is nice. That, that's a that's a decent number. The Steelers have been in the red like forty million dollars in recent years. Yeah. So going in the green forty plus, uh, they could probably turn that into sixty, seventy-five million dollars. So they'll have room to work with, and I just hope that they're able to spend the money in the right places and get this team to that championship level. That uh, they they have the pieces in place already to get there. So hopefully they can do that. Well, let me ask you the question you got kind of just posed yourself, and that is, if you were the general manager. And you had a certain amount of money and you had you could bring in one of those big fish quarterbacks and you still have to fill the holes that are on the roster or you try to fill out the roster and then get a young quarterback. Or maybe you go a year with Haskins and Rudolph battling it out for the starting job. We'll throw throw Dobbs in there, too, if you want. And maybe you draft a quarterback. Which route do you take, Michael? I think for me, um, I at least make the phone call on like the big two unhappy guys in Green Bay and Seattle. I make the phone call, see, see what is necessary, because those guys make you a contender no matter what because of how talented they are. From there, I would I personally want to pair a rookie quarterback with a veteran guy that have a similar type attributes, like a Marcus Mariota and a Desmond Ritter, or a Jimmy Garoppolo and a Kenny Pickett. Just two guys that are somewhat similar that you could build the offense uh, that it wouldn't be different regardless who's in the lineup. That's kind of one of the issues in San Fran right now. Garoppolo and Trey Lance aren't the same player, so that makes it hard to kind of make a transition of uh, power. But Lance is going to be the guy there pretty much next year. That, that's that's pretty well known. So a guy like that will be available. And if you can pair someone that's sneaky athletic like a Pickett, I, I know Pitt fans and Steeler fans would love that just to, to maybe possibly avenge the history of uh, the school and the quarterback position with the Steelers. But – I think for me, if you can't get one of the biggest fish, you pair like a, a middle of the road vet with a, a decently high picked quarterback and then uh, try to make a, a smooth transition uh, and just let that rookie really figure things out in the NFL and not force them into the lineup too soon. And uh, just go with a, a one-two punch and eventually throw that rookie out there 
uh, when it's time to go. I like it. I, I could see, I could honestly debate either side of that, uh, that, you know, topic. So I like it. You ready to do some game picks, Michael? Let's do it. All right. So this is going to be interesting because of all the COVID stuff that's going on amongst, amongst the league. And I know during this recording, you actually just sent that case Keenum. And this is the first game we're going to talk about on Saturday at four 30. The, the Las Vegas Raiders go to Cleveland case Keenum tested positive. He's out. Um, Nick, who is it? Nick Mullins. Is Nick the- Mullins. They signed him today. Oh, geez. Okay. So former 49ers backup quarterback. Yeah, I remember this guy. Las Vegas Raiders are actually giving one and a half on the road on Saturday in Cleveland. Uh, but I made this pick before that was known. Uh, but you go ahead, Michael. Who do you think wins this one? Yeah, I had the Raiders plus two and a half, I think, uh, when the line first dropped. But, uh, <laughs> man, I, I don't even know if that this game ends up being played on Saturday Saturday at this read. I, I saw Adam Schefter also said there's an additional four more players on the Browns defense that have uh, gotten COVID that will be out. So it's really bad in Cleveland right now. So who knows if this game's played? You got to hammer the Raiders, though. The, the Browns are ailing, and really this is going to play very well for the Steelers with uh, some injuries and health concerns around the AFC North. All of a sudden, the Steelers are in a, a pretty position that we didn't think they'd be in. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. You know, I'm driving home from work on Thursday. I was listening to some talk radio. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk was on a, a radio show, the Mad Dog Mad Dog Sports Radio that I listened to, and. He said adamantly, and the commissioner, I guess, is just a few days ago, he came out and said this himself. They are not moving games. Ooh. And they put that clause into the, the deal this year that was you will forfeit if you don't have enough players. And that, that is still very much on the table. Um, no players get paid. So even if the Ra- – let's say the Browns have to forfeit this game. Raiders get a W. Cleveland gets an L. No one gets paid from both sides. So no one wants to do that. So – but. Keep that in mind. I've got the, I'll take the, I'll take Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't need, they, my goodness, the Browns don't have a coach. They don't have quarterbacks. It's, a, it's a nightmare. It's absolutely nightmare. Okay. Saturday night, a good game to look forward to. Not as much <laughs> of a COVID bowl. Uh, the New England Patriots in Indianapolis, the nine and four Patriots, seven and six Indianapolis Colts. And he's giving two and a half here at home. What do you think about that? I think this might be one of the games of the week outside of Thursday night, but I digress. Go ahead, Michael. Who do you think who do you like here? You're going to think I'm weird, but this kind of reminds me of like a, like a mid 2000s Patriots Colts matchup. Like both teams are pretty good. It's yeah. not Brady versus Manning, but uh, uh, teams that are kind of on the rise, uh, both uh, doing pretty well. New England's red hot, though. Like uh, New England getting points. Oh, they, they've won seven straight games. I'm, I'm rolling with the Patriots here. I'm going to take the Colts at home here. I've got a gut feeling about this team. I thought they were really underachieving early in the season. They seem like they're just hitting their stride. Carson Wentz is playing well with Frank Reich at the helm. The offensive line starting to get in their groove. I'm going to let, I'm going to take the Colts here, even though they're giving two and a half. All right, the, then Sunday, 1 o'clock, Carolina Panthers at Buffalo. Buffalo is another team that's reeling. They're 7 and 6 all of a sudden. Carolina is getting 10 and a half points here. Michael, who do you like here? This one's tough because both teams, I think, are playing worse than their record shows. I don't think the Bills are 7-16, and 16, which is weird because in the preseason, they're one of my picks to perhaps win a Super Bowl. But uh, they've been playing some pretty putrid football lately. Um, the Panthers getting 10.5 is just a little too sweet for me not to, to take the Panthers. I feel like this could be a tight game. I think Buffalo wins it for 10.5 points for a team that's struggling like the Bills. I'm going to ride with that. 
I agree hundred percent. I took the Carolina Panthers uh, getting 10 and a half. The bills are winning games, but when they do, they're not blowing teams out that we all thought they would. So I'm going to take the Panthers big time. Now the Miami dolphins host the New York jets. The Miami dolphins are red hot as well. They're six and seven. They've battled their way back from, I believe a one win season to now five wins in a row, something like that. Miami's giving eight and a half here in this AFC East matchup. Michael, who you like? Oh, I'm, I'm probably going to pick against the Jets the rest of the rest of the way here. I think they play the Jags, but they, they might get one uh, throughout the rest of the year. But uh, Miami minus eight and a half. The Dolphins are playing some pretty good football. Two has been putting up good numbers. Uh, I, I believe Jalen Waddle might have ended up on uh, the COVID uh, he did. reserve list. Yep. So uh, th- there is still things to watch. Uh, that's one of the, the weird things about this weekend. It's kind of a uh, return of COVID. So hopefully it doesn't mess up any of these matchups any more than we've already seen. So, I'm taking the Dolphins minus eight and a half, and hopefully that outbreak uh, gets contained with them. I agree. Take the Dolphins minus eight and a half because the Jets are just that bad. The Washington football team is another team that's dealing with some really crazy COVID numbers. I think they have 16 last I saw on the COVID reserve list. They're going to Philly in a really big NFC East game. Philly's giving eight and a half here. Michael, I know which way I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards Philly, given the points. you agree? Washington's been playing some good football. Um, I, I know they're reeling a bit with uh, with everything going on, but uh, I still, I, for whatever reason, I have a hard time picking against them right now. They've just been playing good against teams uh, that really you kind of expect them to lose. I think Washington goes in and takes this game. Uh, might not necessarily win it, I should say that, but plus okay. eight and a half, uh, I'm going I'm to take the football team. All right, there you go. Now, still at 1 o'clock, the Arizona Cardinals go to the Detroit Lions. Arizona's coming off that Monday night loss to L.A., the Rams. They're giving 11.5 to Detroit. Uh, what do you think about this one, Michael? That's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. Uh, I still take, I'm still taking the Cardinals here. Uh, Detroit has been bad. Uh, I do like the record currently, 1-11-1. It's just kind of fun to look at. Uh, I know the Steelers played a little bit of a part in that. That, that hurts, but... Uh, Dolphins minus, or excuse me, Cardinals minus 11 and a half. I'm taking them uh, pretty sure every day of the week in this one. I agree. hundred percent. Take the Cardinals, even though it's a double digit. And here's a tough game to pick. You have the Houston Texans going to Jacksonville two two win teams, but Jacksonville just fired their coach. Urban Meyer, he's gone. Okay. And so now you have this question of, is the team going to rally? Is the team going to be like, okay, we're going to go out and win some games for this new interim coach. Not that they think he's going to be the next coach, but that happens. We've all played sports before. Michael, this is the Jacksonville Jaguars are giving four and a half on the line that I had. Who do you like in this one? Oh, this is tough. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jags do go out and win this game. Cause like you said, whenever there's a coaching change, typically guys get fired up at least for a game. Like, like, like there is some added juice uh, when a move like that happens. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville won it. I just have a hard time seeing them winning by more than four and a half points. So I'm taking the Texans plus four and a half. I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars giving four and a half at home. I think they rally. Like you said, uh, maybe Lawrence has a great game, but I, I don't know. It's something about it says take the Jags. I did. All right. The Dallas Cowboys go to the New York giants. Dallas is giving 11 and a half on the road here. Who do you like in this NFC East matchup? Oh, the giants are still horrible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've said that every time they've come up. Uh, I'm, I'm going with the Cowboys. Uh, 11 and a half is a crazy number, but uh, the Giants stink. Give me the Cowboys minus a ton of points. The Giants stink, but they'll keep it close. I like the Giants getting 11 and a half. I think Dallas wins it straight up. Uh, we'll go to the, we'll come back to the Tennessee game. Let's go to the 405 slate. Cincinnati going to Denver. Huge game with implications for both the AFC playoff picture and the Steelers. 
divisional hopes. Cincinnati is getting two and a half on the road here. I was kind of surprised by that. Michael, who you like? How do you see this going down? I think Denver wins this game, and I, I'm not sure if they win it handedly, but I think they win by more than a field goal. Uh, I, I just think things are getting really bad for the rest of the AFC North right now. Joe Burrow, I know he looked pretty good, but he's still kind of battling that hand injury. I'm taking the Broncos minus two and a half, and I have a feeling that the rest of the AFC North goes 0-3 this week. We'll get in our Steelers pick a little bit later, but uh, things are shaping up pretty well for the, the team in black and gold. I have Cincinnati winning this, getting points at least. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a very, uh, I think it's going to be very tightly contested. Uh, it's, it's in Denver. That's one of the things that's tough for me. If it was in Cincinnati, it'd be different. But Cincinnati's only won two of their last six games. Keep that in mind. They're not really trending in the right direction. But I think the Bengals find a way to win this game. If Denver wins by one, I wouldn't be shocked. Nonetheless, that's what I think. Atlanta and San Francisco in San Francisco. Atlanta's getting nine and a half. Michael, what do you think here? I've been picking it a lot against the Falcons this year, but really Arthur Smith deserves a lot of credit. I know they're a six and seven team. That dude needs some consideration to be one of the coaches of the year. They have a bad roster, but they are in every single game they're playing in. Nine and a half points. I like that. I don't think they win this game, but I think they make it close enough that uh, those nine and a half points uh, don't, uh, don't, don't scare me off. I- I'm taking the Falcons plus nine and a half. I think they lose, but I think they keep it interesting. It's in San Francisco. Atlanta's got to go across country. I always think about that. I think the 49ers are playing good football. George Kittle's just getting is just getting hot. Jimmy G's starting to look better, more like his old self. And so I'm take the 49ers, given nine and a half even. So uh, that might be a bold prediction, but that's my pick. Here's another game that has huge implications for Pittsburgh. Green Bay Packers going to Baltimore. Baltimore, I believe, is five and one at home this year, but they might not have Lamar Jackson at the helm. That has yet to be determined. Baltimore is actually getting five and a half at M&T Bank Stadium. Michael, what do you think about this one? Yeah, no, this one, Green Bay's playing some good football right now. Uh Baltimore, see, I'm pretty sure they signed another quarterback off the street here. So I feel like that's probably kind of showing that Lamar Jackson might miss this one. And if he plays, he's going to be limited. Uh, and we all know he's going to have to make plays with his feet. Uh, having that lower leg injury is definitely going to be an issue with them. I like the Packers uh, going into this game, going into Baltimore, winning the game and winning by more than five and a half. So give me the Packers. I agree. Take the Packers with five and a half. If Lamar was healthy, it'd be different. He's not. Take Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers isn't practicing. It doesn't matter. He's a gamer. Take the Packers in this one. All right, Sunday at 425, the Seattle Seahawks go to the L.A. Rams in NFC West matchup. L.A. Rams are giving five and a half points. They've also been dealing with some COVID issues. What do you think about this one out on the West Coast? Oh, this is going to be a pretty good game, I think. But uh, the Seahawks have been struggling. Uh, they don't look that great this year. I think I think I saw a, a couple of their guys end up on the COVID reserve list as well. Uh, the Rams are kind of peaking at the right time, and Stafford's beating teams that uh, historically he hasn't been able to. So this team, uh, Rams team, I should say, after kind of a, a rough stint there, uh, kind of got it figured out last week. Give me the Rams minus five and a half. Uh, I, I definitely like the team from L.A. I like the Rams as well. Like you said, Seattle's just not that good. Tyler Lockett was one of the players that went on the list for Seattle today, I believe. So he's not going to be available. That's going to be a tough break for them. I like the Rams at home. At uh, Sunday Night Football, Tampa Bay hosts the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay is giving 10 and a half. What do you think? I like Tampa Bay in this one. Uh, New Orleans is another team that struggled. Bucks are playing pretty good football. I know they went overtime last week, but the, the Saints are reeling. Uh, give me uh, Tampa Bay by the huge uh, margin. 
I agree. And let's go to Monday Night Football. Minnesota, Chicago, what a dud. Chicago is getting five and a half at home. Minnesota's coming off that Thursday night win over Pittsburgh. What do you think, Michael? Oh, Chicago, it's just so hard to read them. Like, if Justin Fields goes off, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they made a game of things. But I think Minnesota's uh, playing some decent football right now. They, they've strung a couple wins together. Uh, or, excuse me, came back from that, uh, that loss from the Lions to – really lay a number on the Steelers. But uh, I think Minnesota wins another game here uh, and they win by more than that uh, five and a half point spread. We agree a lot today. I think Minnesota five and a half. I'll take the Minnesota Vikings. Their playoff hopes still hang in the balance. So they have a lot to play for. I take the Minnesota Vikings there giving five and a half. Let's go to the game. Everyone wants just to hear us talk about that's the Tennessee Titans nine and four traveling to the six, six and one Steelers one o'clock kickoff at Heinz field. Now this game has changed dramatically depending on the book that you look at, I've saw that it opened at three points. I saw it open at two and a half. It's down now down to either one or a half point. Um, and so this is kind of turning into a pick em game, which when you think about it, a nine and four team going to a six, six and one team, that's kind of crazy. Vegas knows something. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, Michael, what do you think about this Steelers Titans game? And what's your final score prediction? It, honestly, I feel like the Titans offense is reeling so much by injury that like I, I'm looking over uh, at them and I'm thinking, oh man, I don't know if they're going to be able to have those offensive explosions that the Steelers have given up to teams like the Vikings uh, with Dalvin Cook and uh, Justin Jefferson, two of the best in the league. Uh, they allowed it against the Chargers, against a pretty darn good offense. The Bengals, when Joe Burrow was healthy with all his uh, receivers and what, the second leading or third leading rusher, no second, I think it is, Joe Mixon in the backfield. The Titans just don't have these guys right now. Julio Jones just came off IR. They don't have Derrick Henry. Uh, they don't have A.J. Brown. Uh, their offense just isn't that, like, explosive. The Steelers look like they're getting healthy. My pick for this game uh, on Know Your Enemy was the Steelers winning by a single point, 21-20. to 20. So uh, Steelers minus .5. Gave me the Steelers minus .5. They're going to win by one, and uh, the playoff chase might be back on thereafter. I have the Steelers winning as well, uh, that which shocks everyone that listens to my podcast. <laughs> um, I think the Steelers, I'm not sure if they're going to have to do this and come from behind fashion, but I have them winning 23 to 21. I was talking with Dave via Slack today, and it, it was something where we were talking about the odds changing. I said, man, what is going on that's causing these odds to change? It's not like there's a player that was on COVID that, or that's gone the COVID reserve lift or list or a player that's been coming back to practice. Like That's not happening and I said, this game has a Steelers win written all over it. It does, in my opinion. So I like the Steelers. Some sites have them getting points. I don't care if they're giving points. I think they cover. I like the Steelers to win 23 to 21. All right, Michael, any final thoughts for everyone before I let you go? Oh, I, I think my final thoughts today were somehow, uh, I know there's been a, a lot of negativity coming from me lately, but uh, with the state of the rest of the AFC North, there's still a decent chance they can come back and win this division. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens limp their way through the end of the year. The Steelers can find a way to go 3-1. Oh, they got to beat the Browns and the Ravens last two weeks of the year. They have to beat Tennessee. You'd like them to beat Kansas City. Chiefs look pretty darn good right now, though. But, heck, 3-1 might win them the AFC North. Uh, there is a chance. Like, Baltimore would really have to get hit hard, but they are. If Lamar Jackson struggles, 4-0 uh, is what you're kind of looking at for the Steelers to uh, make another run at the at the AFC North, but it is possible somehow. Um, so I'm not quite putting the axe to this team, but if they lose this Sunday, uh, that's, uh, that hammer is dropping. So a huge game. 
I'm I'm super excited for this one. Should be a good one. Uh, Michael, thank you for your time as always. And uh, we'll see you next Friday. Yeah, my pleasure. Talk to you then. All right, take it easy. All right, and a big thank you to Michael Beck. As always, every Friday he joins us. I love that segment. It's always a lot of fun talking with Michael, going through the game picks. And as always, every Friday, we're getting back on the habit here. I missed it last Friday. You get two heart-to-hearts this week because I did one on Monday because I missed last Friday. So my heart-to-heart. Okay, I wrote an article last weekend about the complexity of being a Steeler fan, and I want to talk a little bit more about this. We oftentimes, myself, Dave Schofield, any other podcaster, writer for the website, doesn't matter, will often be critical of certain fans' opinions and outlooks on the team. I'm very critical of Michael Beck's opinions at times when it comes to his, he has more common like on Twitter to say, ah, they should get a higher draft pick than anything else. That's frustrating because we don't necessarily view it the same way. However, I can say this, as long as that fan has the Steelers' best interest at heart, then I'm, you should be okay with it. And you might disagree, and that's fine. But understand that I know someone like Michael Beck who believes that if they could get two, three spots higher in the draft order, that could be a significant change in caliber of player at a certain position. And that could help this team down the road. That could help this team compete faster. So Michael Beck wants this team to win. If you find the rare fan, and they do exist, that say they're fans, but deep down, for some unknown reason, they really don't want them to succeed. They want to, they want their narratives to remain true and to ring true. Maybe it's that they hate Mike Tomlin. Maybe it's that they think that the team would be nothing without Ben Roethlisberger. It could be a million different things. But understand and be respectful of the fact that if the Steeler fan that you're talking to has a differing opinion in you, doesn't necessarily mean that you're right and they're wrong or vice versa. We all should have the Pittsburgh Steelers team needs in the back of our mind and in our hearts all the time. And so if your thought is the Steelers need to get that experience, get in the playoffs, get these young players like Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr., get them playoff experience as a rookie, yeah, I totally agree with that. Best, The best interest is the Steelers' interest. But if you're someone that says, nah, that's not going to work, they're going to be one and done. Let's get a higher draft pick because you, you need to get a good draft selection. Then that's fine, too. That's your opinion. I know that's forward thinking, but what can I say? All right, that does it for me, folks. Hope you have a great weekend plan. I will be back on Sunday with a post-game show. So make sure you check that out. I'll be on with Brian Anthony Davis, maybe someone else. Dave Schofield's going to be at the game, so that's exciting. Otherwise, have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on the Let's Ride podcast on Monday with winners and losers, hopefully a victory Monday. You know how we always finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. Go Steelers.